Central New York, and hello, hockey fans all across the internet, and welcome to the Central New York Hockey Report podcast. I'm your host, Scott Kinville, and we have got an awesome show lined up tonight because, you know, we, we talk about local teams and we talk a lot about X's and O's and, and action and all that. This is a story that really tugs at your heart, and I, and I can't wait to get started with it. Um, before we bring our guest in, though, of course, as usual, I'll bring my co-host in, naturally, sitting right next to me here on my, on my right side. The, the, the madman of the keyboard over there, as we like to call him. It's Dave the Save Warner. How are you, pal? Something like that. Doing great. How are you doing tonight, Scott? <laughs> good. Good. You know, no, awesome. Like I said, warm weather. Yeah, I know. It was nice out today. It's beautiful. It was. Clear skies. Absolutely. Uh, not not mid-November. No. Upstate I've, New York. We'll probably pay for that next week. I'm we sure. will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, of course, coming to us live via satellite from Utica University is our other co-host, Mr. Jordan Brockway. Jordy, what's going on? Not so much. Just got back from a little run down at the gym, so I'm tired. Oh, I bet. <laughs> Poor I baby. Bet. Well, I hope you can stay awake through the show. Yeah. So. No, I will. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, listen, I am going to bring our guest in here. Uh, a few months back, I, I wrote a story on uh, an article about uh, – it was called Colgate Alumnus Honors Legendary Hockey Coach by Giving Back. And this is just such a great story about – how a, a tragic event turned into a, a foundation that's helped hockey players ever since it was formed. And I want to bring the executive dr- director of this organization in because, like I said, I've developed a nice little relationship with them. We text back and forth quite a bit. And it's my pleasure to bring in Mr. Eric Open. Eric, how are you? Uh, I'm great, Scott, David, Jordy. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we were just talking a little bit before we came on. Uh, you're on the road right now. Yeah, it's uh, like anybody else. We we have work and family obligations, and uh, happy to squeeze in a little time with you guys in between everything. Well, I can't begin to tell you how much we appreciate you you taking the time to do that because, like I said, I've been wanting to tell this story on this show for such a long time. So let's start right from the beginning. Now, I, I said you're you're an alumnus of Colgate University. Uh, you said you graduated 1990, correct? Correct. I graduated in 1990. Uh, you know, it was a great fit for me growing up in Central Connecticut in a public high school and had a great, wonderful four years academically. Uh, you know, obviously Colgate's academic speaks for itself. Um, grad, you know, graduated in 1990 with a degree in history and economics. And as part of that, I got, you know, I was a self-progressed hockey rank grad. I wasn't much of a hockey player, uh, but I had a passion for the game and, you know, got to know the guys we went to school with and got to connect particularly with uh, the late Terry Slater and Brian DeRocher and, you know, had the opportunity to work with them our senior year and everybody knows what happened in 1990. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was really something, you know, even though it's 32 years later, people still talk about it and we think about it all the time. So it's, uh, it's you know, a little bit of part of who we are and, you know, really – so much of the you know, Colgate an awful lot. Uh, so much of my life really started there. Yeah, absolutely. That 1990 team darn near won the whole enchilada. But uh, so, tell us how you were involved with the team. Well, I was a student assistant. Uh, you know, Terry Slater and I talked about a possible need for you know some backup. Probably the pre-game. We did some pre- a lot of pre-game scouting of our opponents, and probably the early cursory analytics where we would chart face-offs, I would sit in the box, we would chart and match and do line changes, adjustments, and provide input when needed, and, uh, 
you know, it was a, just an unbelievable experience. It was like going to class every day with uh, Terry Bryan and Lou Mangaluzo as well. So you know, it was just sort of a, what you would call maybe the modern-day director of hockey ops. Nice, nice. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that was because I, I was in high school at that time. That was before computers were getting big time. So a lot of pen and paper there, I, I would imagine. Oh, it was it was abacus, actually. <laughs> uh, it was... It was all pen and paper and, you know, very little of that. And it was a lot of thinking and, you know, really taking, you know, much more notes and a lot of a lot of broken pencils in the press box. Uh, sometimes too much writing or sometimes when you were unhappy. So, um, but like everybody else said, we had a real desire to win and uh, things really worked out on a, on, a, on a basis, again, that we've talked about that no one ever expected. And it's... Uh, you know, the best part of that experience is it happened. And you, you can't buy something like that. Yeah, absolutely. You really, truly, you truly can't. Um, so after you graduated from Colgate, you, uh, you wound up returning back to Connecticut. Uh, and out in Connecticut, there is a legendary uh, prep school called Avon Old Farms. Uh, everybody who knows hockey has heard of this place. And uh, you got to meet one of the legendary coaches from that area. Yeah, it was the late Jason Pagney. I was his Jason. I couple of, you know, I was a second career for me in the early two thousands, and went to law school, graduated, and uh, you know had a, some people that I knew up at Avon Old Farms. But Jason was a local guy who was putting together prep showcases, coaching these brick tournaments, and mentoring guys to you know advocate for them at the prep and the NCAA level and. You know, players that he grew up coaching, including Kevin Shattenkirk, Cam Atkinson, uh, Marty St. Louis kids, Pierre McGuire's son, uh, Jonathan Quick. Uh, these are names that are household names now, you know, all these years later. So they were all uh, influenced by Jason, whether he would take into tournaments or advocate for them, junior programs, college programs. Uh, he just gathered he was a unique character in that he was able to hockey as i said there's a lot of what i call dysfunctional hubs and jason was the master at pulling all those hubs together he really was a guy that was a point of contact and you know got to be his attorney for a dozen years and did a lot of uh things and he was a real character on top of it he had a lot of mischief to him he uh you know he did some things that you know what stays there stays there, if you know what I mean. Sure, and, sure. Uh, uh, um, it was just he was as my you know as my staff said he was one of the calls when I got it in on uh, um, on my cell. I knew I would get an entertaining call. I, I never knew what to expect, <laughs> and that was the fun part about it. Well, see, there you go. He kept you on your toes. Oh. <laughs> Tell me my toes. We had a nickname for him, and this is my favorite Jason story. I he was driving me crazy, and I said, "You know, I want to call you. your nickname is Nero." And he goes, "Why is that?" And, and he was an old school. If you had a nickname, you were in his club, and he had a nickname for me. Um, but I said, "You're like Nero," and he said, "Who's Nero?" And I he said to me, "Who's Nero?" And I told him, "Well, he was the guy in Rome that Phil." Uh, Every Rome burned and everybody was in panic around him. And he looked at me in a dead face and he said, you know, I really like it. I'm going to keep that nickname. <laughs>
<laughs> it puts a whole new so, spin on history. That's a <laughs> and, and he had he had other nicknames for people, including the player agent who was very chiseled. He had a chiseled face, and he called him the Egyptian because he looked like a face of the pyramids. <laughs> so, I mean, there was some wacky stuff that we everybody would just sit there. But if you knew he was in the ring, you knew he was in there. Sometimes you had to find him. Sometimes you didn't. He would drive you crazy. But the bottom line is, he was a, he was for the players and the parents. And you know, he was not in it for himself. He was looking to do this the right way, and uh, that was the fun part. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's no doubt about it. And, and just the the people's lives that he touched is just unbelievable. Um, you know, I, looking at the the article that I had written there, I mean, it's it's all in here too, but. It, just the, the the people that he touched is unreal, and you know it was a it was a tragic accident. Uh, January thirty first of twenty fourteen, uh, he was only forty three years old, and he, and he passed away in a car accident. Yeah, uh, I got a call from one of our my very close friends, Bill Maniscalco, and he had the unfortunate, and it, it just was a day. You know, C.J. Maritola was the head coach at Sacred Heart. Basically, was there all day. He told his assistants. I said, maybe I'll be there for the drop of the puck. But it just, uh, it, it just, you know, wife, two young daughters. It, uh, you know, it just uh, he made dreams come true. And you know, that, that light, uh, unfortunately, he's gone. And, and people still talk about him. Ten, you know, we'll get into it. It's been nearly ten years, but we're still gathering together on a consistent basis. So. He hasn't been forgotten, and it's not the foundation, per se. It's the people around him who knew him, even at as high as the NHL level. I mean, the stories you get and the passion and the you know the support we've gotten has been, you know, it's just certainly exceeded everybody's wildest dreams. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of the foundation, tell us how that all got started. Well, a lot of the credit, again, goes to our great friend C.J. Miratolo at Sacred Heart. He originally put the concept together that Jason was a prep school guy. He was an Avon guy, as you correctly guys correctly pointed out. And he approached Mike Cavanaugh, who was then the second year coach of UConn. And, and he said, let's play a game for the benefit of his, let's move our NCAA game from my, they were playing a community rank. Let's move it to a prep school in honor of Jason. Let's raise some money for his daughter's education fund. And that's how the first two games got together. And, uh, we sold the rinks out both nights, and it was just uh, between the two nights we raised, you know, 2014 we had Sacred Heart and UConn, and then next year was the fledgling uh, Arizona State Sun Devils came in to play a game, and uh, we ended up raising $25,000 for their college, the daughter's college education fund. Wow. And we were really feeling good about the game and, and the buzz and the – there was just a lot of emotion about the whole ceremony and the way things worked and the people that came. And we kind of bantered the idea of, you know, they kind of looked at me and kind of looked at each other and said, what do we do to continue this? And, you know, kind of just came to the idea of, hey, let's try a foundation. Let's see what we can do. It's going to take some time. But the reason the foundation was put in place was we wanted – to do something in Jason's memory on a what we call a sustained basis. We didn't want to be a flash in the pan organization. We didn't want to be. We wanted to continue this as long as possible. And you know, we're we're certainly getting there. And you know, it takes a lot of patience, a lot of 
love, a lot of persistence, and uh, we're getting there. There's no question about it. And, you know, the fact that we're continuing to do this nearly nine years later speaks to what people think about thought about Jason Pagging and his family. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Uh, so tell me, what are, are some of the, the things outside of uh, funding uh, Coach Pagney's daughter's college education funds that the foundation has done? Well, we started slowly in 2016. We've awarded 9500 in grants, and we've honored uh, a you know minor league player, minor hockey players. One young boy who was the level B player had missed a year of hockey because of serious medical issues. And he required refits, and it took a lot out of the family's resources. So we funded a full season of youth hockey for that child. Um, there was a outstanding scholar-athlete at a prep school who showed some substantial financial aid needs, so we underwrote her. Uh, there was a really interesting family that came to us that um, – First-generation immigrants, uh, two young children's fathers, a disabled veteran, mom's a homemaker. We under we funded their learn to skate programs. There's a public high school showcase that was all volunteer-based. We helped underwrite a sponsorship for last year. So that's how we've done it, and we want to continue. You know, obviously, coming up December 1st is going to make those things become much more of a reality Uh for all of us, and that's the exciting part. Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, you're not the, the only one on the board. You are the executive director, but who are some of the other members of the board with you? Well, they all have, all of them have great connections to Jason Pagney or the Pagney family. So it includes, we talked about C.J. Maritolo, mm-hmm. uh, Mike Pereira, Joe and Mike Pereira, the Pereira brothers, one's at BU and one's an assistant at UConn. They were greatly influenced by Jason as a youth hockey player. Uh, John Gardner, who's a legendary prep coach at Avon Old Farms, uh, 800 wins, 49th year at that. Um, Jason's wife, Kate, um, one of his very good friends from Avon Old Farms uh, that he grew up with. Uh, Kyle Wallach, who's been a long-time Division One assistant and Division Three head coach at Albertus Magnus. Uh, Billy Maniscalco, who's Gary Yale was a childhood friend, and so, and John's John Gardner's wife. So it's it's just, a, and we have a financial advisor and accountant that help us out as well. So it's a really good group. We have a lot of, you know, we uh, get together once or twice a year, have a dinner, and tell stories and see where we're going. So it's uh, it's a group all with a lot of, you know, personal stake as to who Jason Pagney was. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That that really is. Uh, so you guys have got a huge night coming up, December first. Um, there's going to be a game at Avon Old Farms. It's going to be between AIC and Sacred Heart. So tell us some, something about that because there's a lot going on with it. Wow, uh, this is the craft hockey bill of college hockey, and the stars really align this year. Uh, Discuss, you know, we talked about doing. We did a great fundraiser at Sacred Hearts, brand new rink, as part of a uh, a game last year, and there were dates that were floated around. And Sacred Heart and Eric Lang at AIC was really one of the great coaches in college hockey. It was a Connecticut resident. We talked about it, and they agreed AIC to move the home game to make this happen. And the stars really aligned. It was a perfect night. 
it was a perfect day to, to move the game from Springfield to Avon. And it just, Avon Old Farms was just tremendously enthusiastic about it uh, for not just the hockey program, but the entire school. It goes all the way up uh, to the headmaster of the school. I mean, Avon's a lot more than just a hockey program. Uh, so it, it just really aligned and, you know, to, to get a game, a division one game at a prep school setting with everybody on board is a throwback and it just doesn't happen very often. And, you know, as part of it, we're the beneficiaries. We run the game from soup to nuts. Uh, you know, Atlantic hockey approved everything. It's just, it's just going to be. Hopefully, something people are going to talk, who are going to be there, are going to talk about for a long, very long time. Yeah, I, you know, I tell you, I, I, I wish I could be there because that 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 sounds so amazing. And it's not just a game. You guys have I've, I've been looking through your X account here, and you got some amazing raffle items coming in. Well, again, there a lot of them are thanks to friends of Jason Pagney and families. I mean, we've got silent. You know, we we can announce tonight that. Uh, Ryan Martin, who's the assistant GM of the Rangers, is a classmate of Jason Pagney's uh, at Avon Old Farms on top of it. And he's their behind-the-seats guy who also runs the Hartford Wolfpack. He's arranged to get two of Chris Drury's tickets plus a surprise jersey. Um, Kevin Shanker, who you've heard legendary stories, one of the really just the finest people you ever meet. He's what he calls the Shaddy Pack, which is a jersey, two tickets to a Bruins game, plus a neat little twist where you get to meet and greet Kevin post-game. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so it's just, we, they throw twists, and we've got stuff coming in from Dallas. Uh, Trevor Zegers' family, was Trevor was coached by Jason. His family's going to be at the game donating a jersey, and it's going to be gift cards, college hockey tickets. We're going to do something with, you know, we haven't, Crystal with one of the college teams where you get to spend four tickets to a game. You get to go to pregame video. So the uh, going to be a golf for some, but there's also going to be raffles and all kinds of neat stuff that you know, you know, from friends and people who have been really kind to us and. Uh, Again, we're grateful, so grateful that we've had the support, and it just speaks to you know people just keep saying yes, and that's kind of a it's kind of a neat thing, you know. And again, going to Avon, the place Jason Pagney loves so much, uh, you know, the campus is like, can you believe? The students are like, can you believe we've got an NCAA game on campus? That's amazing. That, that really is. And I and I hate to do this to you, but you you, you kind of cut out when you were talking about the last pri, uh, raffle item. So if you could repeat that. Uh, did you get the Shankirk one? Yep, we got the Shankirk one, and then you, you started talking about another one, and the, and the connection kind of Trevor went. Trevor Trevor Ziegler's jersey. Oh, okay. Trevor spent a he spent a couple of years at Avon before going to the national program, and again, Avon's just influenced guys like Spencer Knight, Trevor Ziegler's, Nick Bonino. Uh, these are all Avon Old Farms guys who remain very close to the school and the program uh, because they do so many things the right way. And, you know, they're coming off a New England title, and they just produce really a, you know, again, I can't say enough about their, you know, again, they're giving up their time and space, and AIC especially, to 
to move a home game. You know, sure. it's you know you gotta you gotta have people that wanna you wanna do it, and you know it's just you know it, it's it's just kind of sometimes I sit you know and sometimes we say wow this is gonna happen in two and a half weeks, and again I can't speak to Central New York. I just want to give a shout out to retired coach Don Vaughn, who's always been very kind to us in New Jason as well. Absolutely, Coach Vaughn's a great guy. I saw him uh, for, uh, the other night. I was down there covering the the Harvard game Friday night, and it was the, right. uh, the banner raising and, and you know, the honor, they honored Coach Vaughn. And I ran into him after the game and said hi. And what what a fantastic person he really is. I mean, it's just amazing. Well, as an alum, he ran the program the right way. There was a consistency that I. You know, as you get a little older, you appreciate there was a certain standard. There was an ethical standard to the program. Uh, he graduated at kids, and he certainly was justly rewarded last year. Absolutely. What a, what a fairy, what a, just a fairy tale ending. You know, finally get that ECAC championship, and it's just amazing. It's, it's an awesome story. Well, it, it, there, were, there weren't a lot of unhappy people to see them <laughs> run, run the table against Quinnipiac and Harvard. No. Uh, I, if you, that's that's another, uh, but there was a lot of uh, a lot of. I don't know if I broke my hand banging my uh, fist after the game, so it was it was great. Uh, just just happy, you know, for that and and to see you know to see Don go out the right way. It was really just so cool. Yeah, that, yeah no doubt about it. And uh, I know you, you can't see the the video right now, but we got a picture of the ticket up there right now. The the one that you sent me there. And uh, this is just a great thing. Um, I, I know I'd asked you before, was there any possibility of that auction being online? We're considering it right now. The priority is to the attendees, and we're really, and again, it's a timing and a volunteer issue, but if we do, we'll certainly let you know. Um, Please do. <laughs> but if, if, and if there are any inquiries, you could certainly DM our ex account. I mean, we're certainly open to opening bids and, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, we're just, we just, uh, you know, we're just very fortunate for the support, but follow the uh, X account because you're going to get, you know, giving you a couple of answers, just going to be more surprises. And, you know, the key to this night too, is the youth hockey support has been incredible. It's going to be a largely youth hockey crowd to this game. One program's bought 150 tickets. Wow. So uh, another program's bought, you know, mid Fairfield, which is lower fear for they're bringing 50 to the game. So it's a real grassroots effort to attract and, and have the youth hockey community understand, you know, what we're working to accomplish in Jason's memory. Yeah, that's, and you can follow your account on X at, uh, at CT Hockey FDN. Uh, and I'll put that in the liner notes for the show and all that because it really is a great follow. And uh, just out of curiosity, how, much, how many people does, does that rink hold? Uh, we're probably close to 700 and we've got between all the tickets right now, we've got over 570 accounted for. Wow. Very nice. It's going to be a song. So we're That's ne- awesome. We're never, yeah, we were, we were never concerned about that. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, and again, it's kind of a, if you ever see the crap, it's a, it's, it's a throwback game, you know, sure. it's a throwback in a prep school setting and. You know, the other thing I got to give the players and the coaches credit because they're, they've been jumping on board. I mean, you're talking to some of the players um, about it. They're like, we're real excited to play a game at a prep rank. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's that like you said that whole throwback back to the the, the roots. You know, when you're not playing in, in huge arenas, it's, there, there's something that you just can't can't be said for playing in those intimate rinks where everything's right on top of you. It's just there's no other feeling like it. Well, it's you know the the you know it's coffee, hot chocolate. It's not it's not the beer gardens. It's not the high right. technology, but it's. You know, again, it's something that brings good memories, and we, we, you know, we attendees get certain favors, and we want to make sure that you know we're, we're going to give those phone back. The, you know, the uh, little um, found the uh, things you put on your back of your phone for credit cards and all that. Okay. Everybody, most of the people who get in the building if they want one, are going to get one as a cop for us as a thank you for coming to us. You know, it's just so we've got to, you know, you really accommodate and you know, take care of those you uh, really care about, you know, so. Yeah, no doubt about it, and that's fantastic. And, you know, even obviously everybody's going to walk away from that game extremely happy because it just sounds like a fantastic event your your organization has planned. So any future uh, games planned? Uh, right now to be determined, you know, a lot of this is time and, you know, we may go back to virtual programming. As you guys know, we had the couple of years ago, we had a really unique during the COVID pandemic with Pete DeBoer and Steve Spottos, a Colgate classmate of mine, doing an hour and a half of Inside the NHL. And that was that was a great thing. We may go back to that. We, you know, we've had, you know, Paul DeMotto, Dr. Hook, but we, we try and do things that are unique. We want, you know, people to come in and say, hey, you know, Paul DeMotto, you know, he's not, I just want to shout out to him. I hope he's doing well. He's had some health challenges, but for Dr. Hook to come down and talk about slap shot for a couple of hours, he he had the and talk about his acting career for two hours. He had the whole he had about eighty people captivated. It was just you know it was more than hockey, and so we try and do little things out of the box, and hopefully we'll get to do that. I mean, uh, in the future, and but you know this will be. I think this will be our most successful night. It's going to just allow us to do things technology-wise, and it's just we want to we want to make sure that the money goes to where it needs to go. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and you know, obviously, you know, anything that you guys do, please let us know, and I will promote everything that you guys do because it is such a fantastic cause, and I, I want to help out any way we can. Well, you guys have been fantastic. You were kind enough to jump on this. Uh, you know, originally, and uh, it was, you know, to our group, it was, you know, it was very meaningful, both professionally and personally. So, um, it's, uh, you know, it's, you know, maybe the good news is it, it's really started a goal gate for me. You just never know. Life is not a linear path, as you guys know. No, not at all. And, you know, there's always twists and turns, but as, as you know, as Pags like to say, everybody rides, right? Well, that's on the ticket. That was one of Jason's favorite expressions, and that's why we hashtagged it on the back of the ticket. And that was, you know, people have complimented. We want to go to the game just to, you know, have a souvenir. It was, an, it was a neat twist, and you know, you know, just you know, he had a lot of pagnisms, and uh, you know, Nero still sits every time I see the Nero truck. who's an air conditioning company locally. It always talks at you. <laughs> And, you know, I didn't know it until I actually met you and started talking to you that uh, Jonathan Quick had everybody rides on the back of his helmet during the 2014 Stanley Cup run. So just just awesome, yeah, but, awesome connection. Well, I, yeah, Kevin Shattenkirk was all, you know, unfortunately Jason passed. He was 
over from a Twitter standpoint. And the, the Shanker story that really just blows me away is we were gathering for the, you know, to put the first game together in the late summer. And there was a pro skate down in Fairfield County. And it was run by a couple of agents. And Kevin's one of their clients. And we talked afterwards for a good 15, 20 minutes. And it was just a very comfortable, bright, thoughtful young guy. And he was playing in St. Louis at the time. And I said, you know, at the end of the conversation, I said, Kevin, you can't thank you enough for your time. And he looked at me without a blink. He said, no, thanks for finding me. And I was like, uh, we got to keep this guy. Yeah, no doubt. He's definitely a keeper for sure. Yeah, he's just uh, really, he's a guy, you know, once you get to our age, it's not about teams, it's about the friends. And, you know, Kevin's been extraordinary to us. Yeah, absolutely. What a fantastic man, really. Uh, Eric, I, I can't thank you enough for, for taking the time to come on and talk to us. I, I'd originally told you 15 minutes while we held you for a half an hour. So, uh, uh, the trouble. <laughs> you got to charge us time and a half now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you guys have any questions, but feel free to follow us at CT Hockey Foundation. Again, we live in, and uh, it's, uh, you know, it's going to be a scramble toward the end, but we're looking forward to. You know, what will be a very, we think it's going to be, you know, and again, it's uh, a cliche that you use the word special, but uh, this will be special. You know, I do have a question real quick before you go. So will a replay of that game be available online anywhere? The Atlantic League is going to have something. I don't know how they video or what the truth is going to be, but the game does feature a pregame ceremony for about 10 minutes and, uh, let me just—it's going to talk. It's—you know—I have to make a few remarks, and uh, I don't know if I'm going to get through it. I really yeah. don't. I told my wife that a couple of days ago, and you know, it's going to be a real—I'll uh, give people a hint. It'll be similar to the uh, old Montreal Canadiens, the torches pass, where we will involve the varsity team of Avon Old Farms, and uh, you know, because Jason played for them, played at Merrimack, and. You know, with their, you know, so it's to the, you know, to the, the, the brave souls or something like that, or we're just, uh, you know, we're privileged. So uh, I don't, I don't know, but I can keep you posted. I will contact, you know, Leah Hockey because their their commissioner and deputy are going to be at the game. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, absolutely. Please let us know because I, I at least love get love to be able to watch and um, and again, like I said, Eric, anything we can do to help you guys out, please just say the word. Oh, oh. It's- your kindness has uh, really been appreciated, and, and, and you know it's just good to have you guys in the background. You know, certainly you can throw missiles at me at me any time, and we may deflect them. But it's still, it's you know, it's something we do because we love Jason. But it's also a way to reminisce, and, and you know, honestly, we do have some fun too. We have some fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and to see parents of the you know the quick parents and. The Zegers parents come to the game, and you know it's like, what can we, you know, it's what can we do for you? And I'm like, uh, just come to the game. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Just be, you know, sometimes the legal expression is less is more. Sure, sure. There you go, there you go. So, and who would know about better than you, right? Uh, that depends on who you talk to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they have a little fun with you, but again, Eric, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, and. um you know, like I said, December 1st, huge night. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to watch it. And, you know, best of luck for the, the foundation for the future and everything you do, and please keep us posted. Okay, and thanks for everything you do in CNY. And, uh, 
you know, it's uh, I know the, all the hard work you guys put into it. It's a lot of work and a lot of time and a lot of passion for the big bucks, as you know. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, where it's at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the the, tw- the twelfth of ne- the twelfth of ever. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, I'll let you get to the airport, but uh, I will be in touch, and uh, we'll, you know, we'll just keep talking. Okay, thanks for the time, guys. All right, thank you, Eric. Appreciate it. All right, Eric Open, Executive Director of the Connecticut Hockey Foundation. Yeah, Jordy, like I said, when I when I put that, that article together, I was like, man, I'm just blown away by, you know, the thing mm-hmm. is, like, with, with the hockey world, and I'm sure, you know, obviously other sports worlds, when something like that happens, everybody just seems to come together you know, come to each other's aid, and it's just, it's it's fantastic to see them carrying this on still, and uh, I, I tell you, I really, I wish I could be out there for that game, because that sounds like yeah. such a good time, you know? Yeah, it really does, and the hockey especially is a very small community, and I mean, you hear stories every day of connections to everybody. Yeah, no doubt about it, no doubt. All right, my friend, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a quick break, and then we got a lot of hockey to talk about when we come back in segment two. So everybody get a glass of water, take a deep breath, because we got a ton to talk about. We'll see you in a minute. Visit My Little Falls and stay connected with the latest news, information, and events in the city and the area. Our mission is to generate interest in the community and connect residents in a more meaningful way by facilitating deeper conversations about how these stories will shape the future of the Mohawk Valley. Join thousands of weekly visitors who stay up to date with feature stories, interviews, videos, our event calendar, and print publication, The Mohawk Valley Express. It's about timely local news for the community, keeping citizens informed about important issues, telling about the people who live and work here, and giving locally owned businesses the opportunity to reach a very targeted audience of locals and tourists alike. It's a whole new form of media-rich content developed specifically for today's mobile lifestyle and listeners. You can download our iOS app in the iTunes store, listen to our podcast, or sign up for our weekly email newsletter. Stop by today. You'll be glad you did. All right, we are back for segment two. And, and Jordy, guess what? If, if we have yeah. a ton of hockey in Central New York as it is, and we got even more coming this weekend. Uh, the Hamilton College Continentals, the men's and women's teams both open up their seasons. Uh, the men start Friday night up there at Russell City Drink up on College Hill in Clinton. They are hosting NESCAC rival Amherst, the Amherst Mammoths, which I think is actually a pretty cool name too. And then on Saturday night, they will be facing the Canton Roos. So that's, uh, that's another pretty cool name as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll tell you, though, there, there's got to be some excitement around this team, this men's team, because they had a really good season last year. They finished, I think it was 13-10-2. And uh, you know what? I, I, I wrote an article a, while, a couple months ago about their recruiting class that they brought in, and it's the number two-ranked recruiting class by NeutralZone.net uh, in all of D3. So, you know, Coach Haberbush and his, his staff did a fantastic job. So, really, it kind of looks like th- this team's on the rise. Yeah, and you hear that recruiting class number, and you know, look even looking at class around here, you don't think of it, of, oh, that's a great class, like really great compared to everybody else until somebody says it. I mean, all our fan bases have their looks into it and everything, but you don't truly realize it until somebody stacks it up and says, this is how the outside the fan base sees it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, we're going to be having an article up on cnyhockeyreport.com tomorrow morning. First thing in the morning, uh, we're going to be looking at that schedule for the Hamilton College uh, Continentals men's team. Uh, pretty interesting. I, I'm, I'm just about done with the article, but, you know, you'll have to wait till tomorrow morning to see it. <laughs> yeah, I can see you're just you're, you're like, oh, yeah, great. <laughs> but it is. It's going to be a great article, so check it out. Uh, the women, I'll tell you what, they, they're coming in ranked fifth. In, the, in Division Three, after the fantastic season they had. Uh, a little bit of upheaval. Coach McNamara is now back with Middlebury as an assistant. Uh, her longtime assistant, Kate Holtz, took over behind the bench there for Hamilton. They opened their season uh, Saturday afternoon and Sunday afternoon, again up there at Russell Sage Rink, by hosting the second-ranked Amherst Mammoths, the women. Uh, boy, I tell you, talk about starting off the season with a bang, huh? Man, you got to face a number two team in the nation right off the hop. Yeah, and that's always tough. I mean, we see it locally with Utica and some of these other teams that you start off with these heavy hitters, and it's hard. It It's hard for both teams, and especially coming in so early with those preseason rankings, you never know what can happen, and there's chaos everywhere at all times. Yeah, there is, but, you know, we, we talked about this, like you just mentioned with Utica. It's actually a good thing, though to play that good competition early because I think it really kind of puts your team to the metal, and it's there's nothing wrong with that by, you know, giving them that, that really good competition early and getting them up and running because, you know, sometimes if you if you load up your early schedule with teams, you know, games that you really should win, you know, I, I tend to think sometimes that lulls a team into like a false sense of security, right? And then the next thing you know, you're playing a team that's on your level and it's a lot more difficult because you haven't been really playing that kind of competition right up until then. Yeah, you always need that kind of benchmark to see, and that's where usually having an evenly spread of competition among a season works out, but that's with a lot of schedules you can't necessarily get that, especially if you're stacked with a lot more teams than you should in your conference, mm-hmm. like the UCHC is, then it's hard to do that. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, I found out something interesting, too, while I was putting this article together. Uh, Sage Rink is going to be undergoing renovations uh, they're in phase one, right? I think they just finished phase one. I'm going to pull this up real quick. Uh, it, it's pretty cool what they're they're planning. Uh, everybody knows, I mean, Sage Rink was built, I think it was 1921, and uh, one of the oldest rinks in the country, actually. And uh, they've, they've got it up on their website, uh, athletics.hamilton.edu, uh, and entirely planned out for new locker rooms, office, arena renovation, new seating. Uh, they're, they're talking about uh, like a couple of box seats kind of thing. Uh, really, really interesting. So, you know, I think we're going to have to get somebody from Hamilton on to talk about that because, like I said, that's that's really cool. Uh, moving right along, uh, let's go to the Colgate. Colgate Raiders, since we just had Eric. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about Colgate. Uh, the number three Colgate women, they're 11-1-0. They are on an absolute roll right now. Um, but this weekend, the competition gets a little tough uh, because Friday night they are hosting number 14 Princeton and then on Saturday afternoon, number seven Quinnipiac comes. Or I'm sorry, number nine Quinnipiac comes to town. Uh, Quinnipiac, who has Mia Lapata, Clinton, New York native. Speaking of Clinton, Hamilton Galaxy. So I only tied that all together. Yeah, segue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, anyways, like I said, they uh, it's it's going to be a, a stiff challenge this weekend for the Raiders, but the, the way they've been playing lately. I'll tell you, you know, Jordy, they, they looked good last year as a team. They look even better this year. Yeah, and especially coming off the wins against Dartmouth and Har- or Dartmouth and Harvard, 
you you walk in, you hit two teams like that hard, and you walk out, you kind of get confident, especially since those were on the road, and you just walk in and basically own the place. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, here's the thing. It's not like they've been playing an easy schedule anyway. I mean, they opened up the season against number two Ohio State, who they don't, that, that's their only loss of the season. They split that series. It was two games down there at the Class of 1965 Arena. Then they went and they beat number 11 Penn State in two games. Uh, they beat Yale. Uh, they were number six at the time. Uh, that And that game, I tell you, they made that one look easy. It, it was really impressive. So, you know, again, tough competition this weekend. It gets tougher. It gets well, just as tough next weekend, they they go out to Minnesota Duluth around Thanksgiving. They're going to take a trip out there. I think Minnesota Duluth's number seven, I believe. I got to look it up. Uh, but anyways, uh, again, if you if you're interested in women's hockey, head down to the Class of 1965 Arena this Friday night or Saturday afternoon if you want to see a, a local hockey hero, Mia Lapata, making her return with the Quinnipiac Bobcats. Uh, moving right over to the men, the men. Now, see, this is kind of cool. I like how they they do this, right? So. The women are hosting Princeton and Quinnipiac, right? Friday night, the men go to Princeton, and then Saturday night, they go to Quinnipiac, who's number seven. Uh, you know, Quinnipiac's going to be looking for some revenge, uh, considering the last time they played, the uh, the Raiders eliminated them out of the ECAC tournament. Yeah, and you look at it, they're coming off a kind of rough weekend where they saw a tie with a shootout win, and a loss. So it's partially. Uh-oh. He froze. It must have got cold up there. <laughs> it got cold in the dorm room. I guess so. We were off weekend, but it was a ton of tough competition. Okay. Well, I, I have to be honest with you. We just missed about three quarters of what you said because you froze <laughs> up. So me and Dave were making fun of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew it was coming. It was gonna they used to turn the heat on in your dorm room, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, no, that'll be that'll be uh, you know another good challenge for the Raiders uh, early in the season, and uh, you know best of luck to them. Uh, let's uh, switch gears here. Let's go to the Utica Pioneers. Uh, so the men's team, the number four Utica Pioneers, who actually received three first place votes in this latest U.S. CHO poll. I'll tell you, that poll has been insane all year long. Just so much movement up and down. Uh, they go yeah. to Wilkes this weekend. So they're they're at Wilkes Saturday night and Sunday afternoon, and I've got an announcement to make. We are going to actually have somebody there covering those games for us. So Tommy Berry, who does some of our Utica Comets previews, oh. stuff like that, his brother goes to Wilkes. So he's like, hey, he goes, since I'm going to go down to the games, you know. Nice. I go, well, hey, guess what, buddy? <laughs> You want to do some coverage? So sure enough, he's going to go down there. He's going to cover both games for us. Uh, he's going to write a preview of the series. So, you know, thank you, Tommy Berry. That's awesome. Uh, it's going to be really cool having somebody in person on the road covering them too. Do you got a hat? He does. He, I sent right. him a hat. You better have a hat. I sent him a hat. Don't you worry. Yeah. All right. Just checking. <laughs> so, Jordan, your thoughts on the Pioneers? So, I did a lot of stat looking this week, and – Obviously, the goalie stats are their own, uh, their own thing. There's not much to see there. We already know what we got. But one thing that stuck out to me was Jacob Brolt is leading the team in goals, assists, points. And he's kind of flown under the radar with it because, I mean, you see him score one game or another game, and you, he's one of those guys to me that 
I've been so focused on the freshman. Sure. I didn't even know he's leading in those categories, and he's playing really good now that I look back. Yeah, absolutely, and you're right. I mean, it's just like that. Under the radar, you would never guess it if you didn't really look. Yeah, and between that and how good Herrera's doing, and I still don't fully understand why they pulled Herrera from the second Chatham game, one of the two Chatham games. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand that move because he's second in goals and third in points, but what are you going to do? I mean, well, it's Gary. Gary probably knows more than I do. Yeah, he might have been a little sick or something like that, too. Who knows? I mean, mm-hmm. and speaking of Chatham, I mean, that that's where they were last uh, last weekend. Uh, won both of those games, 6-2 to two and 7-3 to three down there in Pittsburgh. Uh, that was an interesting setup of that rank they have there, too. Did you see any of that online? I saw a little bit. Yeah, it's an interesting. I mean, it looks like it's right directly on the street. It's kind of cool. So yeah, yeah. So all right, let's talk about the women a little bit. The women, uh, they're now number nine in the country. Uh, they are going to Manhattanville for two games this weekend, Friday night and Saturday afternoon. And uh, you're gonna love. The, I I just think this is so cool. The Manhattanville Valiants play at the Playland Ice Casino. <laughs> I would love to know how they came up with that name. <laughs> yeah, I, I still don't like Manhattanville that well, much. Well, no, I'm not saying the team. I'm just saying that, the, you know, the name yeah. of the arena. I mean, you know, Playland Ice Casino is probably not the first thing that would come to mind if I was trying to name a rink. It's not the but, 50th thing that would come to my mind. Probably not. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, UCHC battle, always tough. Um, and, you know, speaking of always tough conference battles, I mean, last weekend – Friday night, Wilkes gave the, the women pioneers all they wanted. Uh, that ended up a 0-0 tie. Uh, Utica, of course, won the shootout to get the extra point to UCHC. Uh, the next afternoon on Saturday, uh, the pioneers went, <laughs> you ain't doing that to us again. No way. Uh, they won 7-1. to uh, So they, they look like the, the pioneers we've gotten used to. Uh, but, you know, I'll tell you, Jordy, the women pioneers are 5-0-1, 3-0-1 in the conference. Uh, you know, they've got to, you know, they got a win over a ranked team now. Uh, still looking pretty good. Yeah, and you look at how they're playing, and they're just – they remind me of the men's team. They wear teams down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you started to freeze again, by the way, there too. So, yeah, me, me and Dave are getting ready for but, it. But his, his voice was coming through. So yeah, so good. that's all. Yep. That's all. And, uh, you know, when they get done with Manhattanville, they actually do have a special Tuesday night game. Uh, on the 21st, it's uh, going to be at the Nexus Center. Uh, start time of 7 o'clock, they are facing the Worcester State Lancers. So I believe they played them last year, and I think they won, too. I think that was a Tuesday night game, too, as, as I recall. Uh, but, yeah, so they got that little, you know, normally they don't play Tuesday nights, but we got that little, you know, and, and I think it's because of the Thanksgiving holiday coming up and all that, you're going to see a lot more of those Tuesday night yeah. games coming, too. So, so yeah, interesting. You know, three games in, what, five days? So Coach Clausen's team is going to have some skating legs underneath them. <laughs> yeah, a lot of work. <laughs> no doubt about it. Uh, and, you know, before we, we flip over to the AHL, I just want to mention quick uh, Morrisville. Uh, the Morrisville men, they lost to Fredonia. Uh, well, we're recording Thursday night, so it'll be last night on Wednesday night. Uh, they traveled to Buffalo State Saturday night, and then they play a Tuesday night game at 4 o'clock. Sorry, a Tuesday afternoon game uh, at 4 o'clock at the Morrisville Iceplex versus Arcadia. So, yeah. That's going to be interesting. I mean, Arcadia's definitely seen a step up in talent. And I I got a friend who's over in Morrisville that I text every game. I'll usually watch, and they'll be in rink. And 
we'll be like comparing notes. So that'll be an interesting one because we're, we're very familiar with Arcadia. Yeah. And I, you know, I mean, Arcadia, I think can be one of those teams that can fly under the radar. Yeah. Especially don't sleep on them. You know, don't sleep on them. Uh, the women's team. So let's see, they are going to Buffalo state this Friday night. See how the, 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 the program's going tandem. It's so cool. And then they're playing a Tuesday night game at Hamilton College, and it's actually a Tuesday afternoon game, 1 o'clock. I think I'm going to go up there and cover that, actually. Uh, they're playing the number 5 Hamilton College Continentals. Uh, and then they play the next day, Wednesday, at home versus a team that uh, Utica fans are familiar with, Stevenson. Stevenson is coming to the Morrisville Iceplex. So, you know, again, it's a condensed schedule, but, again, because of the holiday, you know, you, you, you almost have to, to get your, your games in. Uh, and, you know, that Wednesday game will be interesting because both teams wear green and white. Yeah, that that'll be interesting, and I want to see what the how they shake up unis, how how those look, yeah, are, are compared to each other. Yeah, that'll be that's, it's going to be pretty cool. So, all right, what do you say? Want to let's talk about the AHL? How's that sound? So let me get uh, get my AHL uh, thinking cap on here, and uh, who do you want to start with? You you make the call. The crunch of the comments. We start with the crunch. Start with the crunch. All right, I like it. So the crunch this weekend, they have a home and home against the Hartford Wolfpack. Uh, Friday night, they are home in Syracuse. And then Saturday night, they travel to the insurance city known as Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, you know, Hartford's been doing really well this year. I think they're, what, second place in the Atlantic Division. Uh, tough team. We saw them in Utica last weekend. And, uh, yeah, very, very tough. Um, you know, the the crunch actually played a home and home against an Atlantic Division opponent last weekend, too, in the, uh, the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. Say that five times fast. No. <laughs> uh, and, again, they were in Syracuse Friday night. Saturday night they went back down to Wilkes-Barre-Scranton. You know, Friday night, you, you, you got to say that game against Wilkes-Barre was probably their worst performance of the year. They got shut out at home 4 to nothing. But, to their credit, they put it all behind them, and they turned around and they, they blew the doors off uh, Wilkes-Barre-Scranton the next night, or next afternoon, I should say, 6-3 to three down there. They, uh, they took the flightless birds down. Um, Hugo Alnafal actually missed that game. I think he was sick. So they ended up uh, going with their backup, uh, Brandon Helverson. Now the Kochekovs back up in Carolina for the, well, for the for, foreseeable future anyway. And then they signed uh, Vinny Purpura, uh, goaltender, to a tryout. Uh, he was with Adirondack, the Adirondack Thunder of the ECHL, who was actually the Utica Comets ECHL team. So it's kind of funny how, how that works. Uh, but I think Purpura, yeah. if he's not back in Adirondack already, he will be soon. Um, but, you know, in between all that, the Crunch actually played a Tuesday morning game, which is pretty cool, actually. So it was down in Bridgeport, Connecticut. They played the Bridgeport Islanders, and it was the school day game. So some of these teams in the league do these, what they're called, school day games, where the the school districts in the city that they play in, the kids get to go to the game for a field trip. That's cool. So, you know what, I think that's a really, really nice thing that, that teams do because – you think about it, you're probably giving up a little bit of revenue, right? Because, I mean, it's a Tuesday morning game. You know, a lot of school kids will be there, but, you know, a lot of adults will be at work. They're not going to be able to go. But, hey, you know what, though? To do that for the kids is fantastic. You know, I mean, good on, yeah. good on Bridgeport. I'd love to see something like that. I think the Crunch actually do one this year, too. I have to look at the schedule. Um, but, yeah, that's a that's a fantastic thing. And, by the way, Syracuse did win that game 5-4. to four. So, you know, School day game, they probably disappointed uh, the Bridgeport fans. But hey, you know why? It's a, at least at least they didn't have to go to school that day. They got to go to a game. So yeah, at least it was entertaining. Yeah, exactly. 
All right, and now let's go over to the Utica Comets. Uh, the Comets, Friday night, they are at Springfield, the Thunderbirds, and then home, they're, Saturday night, they're home for Laval. I've been out there to Springfield, and that's a great place to go see a game. Yeah, um, I mean, I I don't know what to expect. I'm not researched up on Springfield this year like I normally am researched up with certain AHL teams, but well, the Comets – the comments are dealing with a little up and down, so we'll see. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at uh, Springfield's numbers right now. They're fourth place in the Atlantic Division. They have a record of 7-7-1, seven, seven, and one, right? They have scored 44 goals and given up 45. So if you want to talk about just about an even keel as a team as you can find, it's the Springfield Thunderbirds. <laughs> uh, yeah, and looking at, the, looking at the standings here, the Crunch are actually in first place now. They are in first place. Good on, good on them. It's a three-way tie at the top between the Crunch, the Toronto Marlies, and the Rochester Americans. All of them have 16 points. Uh, Crunch are leading the division, however. Uh, the Comets, right now, they're in seventh place, which is last in the in the North Division. But they have 10 points, so they're six points out of first place. So that kind of tells you how tight that division is. And the Comets have more games in hand than anybody else in that division because they haven't played as much. So... This weekend's this Saturday night game against uh, Laval is actually huge because Laval's in sixth place. Obviously, a win, you know, leapfrogs them so long as they don't lose ground against Springfield. And, uh, you know, obviously, it's really, really way too early to start thinking about playoff spots and, and all of that. But you, don't, you also don't want to start losing ground here. Yeah, and especially with how competitive this conference has been recently and with the worry of – Anyone can go up at any time, especially right now with this team. Plus, the Devils have a history of goalie injuries, <laughs> a long history. So there's always that question. I know. You know what? They they should run like some kind of a lottery. People get to draw a name. Okay, who's going to be the goalie injury this week? Oh, you yeah. win. You win free tickets to the Prudential <laughs> Center. You know. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, goalies, though, I mean, Nico Dawes got to be a couple weeks away. I mean, he's been on the ice, you know, working out. So... You know, that'll help stabilize things in that a little bit. But I'll tell you, Isaac Poulter has done one heck of a job coming in and, and really stabilizing that Utica net. Uh, Eric Schalgren's just off to a tough start this year. Uh, not the start that he wanted, obviously. But Isaac Poulter picked up the pieces and said, no, you can you can count on me. So it's uh, he's, he's in top ten in, in all major categories in goaltending in the league. And uh, nice story. Really nice story. A nice guy, too. Yeah, you watch him play, and coming out of the gates, I even said I, I look at I looked at their games, and I said I kind of like what Poulter's showing just mechanically, and that's kind of played out so far. I mean, you watch Shogren play the Wolfpack, and the Wolfpack are a traditionally East Coast team. They play heavy, they play hard. He couldn't handle that East Coast game, and I watched, and I said Poulter would have looked a little better. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know, let's not forget, Poulter did get a handful of games with the Comets last year, so he got a little bit of AHL experience. Mm. But you know, I mean, he's really just taken taking it and run this year. I mean, to be honest with you, let's let's be honest. You know, he was expected to be in the ECHL this year, and it almost kind of reminds me of that whole situation from a couple of years ago, where it was supposed to be either Akira Schmidt or Nico Dawes that was going to be down with the Thunder, if you recall, and they both stayed up and they both became tremendously successful in the AHL. So I kind of see that same trajectory for Poulter. Yeah, and it speaks volumes that he was with the big club till pretty much the final round of cuts for goalies. Yeah. So that tells me that New Jersey probably liked what they saw. Sure, sure, absolutely. 
And uh, you know what? Utica fans are liking what they see too. So that's uh... yeah, especially <laughs> especially right now. Absolutely. All right, my friend. Well, I'm just about out of breath from all this talking I've been doing here. This has just uh, been a fun show, though. Uh, you got anything coming up on your uh, your socials or your your YouTube channel? Well, I got uh, my combat videos finally finished. I had to do a lot of switching and throwing things around because I have to be a perfectionist with those. So I have it time to release at seven thirty. Nice. Tonight? Yeah, tonight. All right. Just overlook everything. Beautiful. Dave, if you want to throw that banner across the bottom one more time, there it is right there the, for the Connecticut Hockey Foundation, their X account. That's uh, X, at, it's at CT Hockey FDN. And then F-O-N. FDN. FDN, you sure? Yeah. Positive? Yeah, I'm going to look at it right now. Yep, FDN. All right. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, it's... <laughs> And maybe we want to fix that. Well, you know, may make it interesting. Hey, I didn't have the technical issue this time. Yeah, no, right? It's not technical. <laughs> now, see, Jordan, now you Spelling can, is not technical. Now, now you can pick on Dave. Hey, it's about the little things, okay? That's right. That's it. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah, that's what they all say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, yeah, there you go. There you go. And uh, we're going to have that, of course, in the liner notes for the show as well. So, yeah, if you, if you get a chance. <laughs> I was going to say it. I, was, I know. I was, I was beating you. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Jeremy's not even it. here to defend himself. That's uh, you know. I, I wish he was, but you will know if he's watching. If that door gets kicked in and it's yeah. Jeremy coming through the door, he'll show up to my room. Yeah. In yeah. And all of a sudden, the screen yeah. goes blank. Yes, my my connection will cut. Yeah. yeah. Uh. That's great. That is awesome. All right, guys. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I want to thank Eric Open once again for coming on and talking about the the Connecticut Hockey Foundation and that awesome game they got coming up. If there's any way you can support or just follow them on X, do it because it's a it's a great cause. And uh, Jordy, of course, I want to thank you for your time. Thank you for for coming on and uh, enjoy having you, of course, as always. And naturally, Dave the Save. Thank you for all you do. You're welcome. <laughs> Including <laughs> just banged his, his I banged my head on the dark. microphone. Was awesome. Like, yeah, <laughs> I know. All right, everybody. And, of course, we want to thank you for watching and listening to our show, supporting us. Of course, check out seonhockeyreport.com every day for daily updates on what's going on in the world of Central New York hockey. And, of course, follow us on all the socials, X, Facebook, whatever. Uh, So thank you for listening. We will see you next week on the Central New York Hockey Report podcast. Mm